Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes. And I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. This is the Engaging Missions Show, episode 262. This week, we're talking with Jonathan Krauss about what God can do when a leader is willing to grow in uncomfortable ways. When I came back is when the Holy Spirit showed me that child sponsorship was going to be a great blessing. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Thanks so much for coming back, and welcome to the show. We want to see the body of Christ fully connected and engaged in what God's doing. And in particular, I'd love to see more of you out there podcasting, especially if you have any interest in that. If you'd like some help getting your podcast started or some help producing it, let me know. Send me an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com. This week, we're going to be talking about how God's moved powerfully through some key relationships. And I also have a special treat for you after our featured guest. I've got a story of a connection that God orchestrated, and I want to share it with you because I think that it involves all of us. But first, a quick message from our sponsor, Megavoice. Megavoice manufactures solar-powered audio Bibles in over 4,000 different languages so that people with limited literacy can access and engage with God's Word. This month, Megavoice is excited to announce a partnership with Courage for Life, creators of the world's first completely female-voiced audio Bible. Courage for Life identified the need for a completely female-voiced audio Bible in the course of their work with women in crisis. From Genesis to Revelation, women from diverse backgrounds deliver the New Living Translation scriptures through mega-voice devices. You can access this amazing Courage for Life Bible for free using their app. Just text BIBLE to 62953. From homeless outreach and refugee response to medical missions and trauma recovery, these audio Bibles allow ministries to maximize their impact. You can learn more by visiting megavoice.com slash engaging missions. And one more time, huge thank you to Megavoice for sponsoring the show. This week, we're going to be talking with Jonathan Krauss. He is the founder and president of Love Never Fails International. He's been with us before, back in episode 98, which was in 2015. And his life is one of tra- radical transformation. You can find out a little bit more about that in the previous episode. But today, we're going to talk more about what's changed and what's coming at Love Never Fails International. And in particular, I think you're going to find some really interesting conversations about growing as a leader and how he's seen God work as he's been willing to step in obedience even in places that were uncomfortable. I'm really glad that you reached out to me because having been now about three and a half or four years since we first talked, a few things have changed. But before we start talking about what's changed, I'd like to maybe just kind of set the groundwork. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do with Love Never Fails International, how you serve the communities? Absolutely, Brian, with great pleasure. Well, what we do is we connect people here in America to children living in poverty in India. 
So we go to areas that are unreached, where the children are living in extreme poverty, and we set up centers, Love Never Fails International Children's Centers, and we have a child sponsorship program that connects those children with people here in the States. And for us here in the States, our big struggle is overconsumption, and we want to be a part of, of God's story, which is giving, so we connect people here with children that basically have nothing in India that need our help and we bring them to Christ. That, that's that's pretty incredible. And if I remember right, the last time we talked, you had more than one center, but it seems like the, the ministry has grown. How many centers do you have now? Today we have 15. 15. So from just a, a few to 15, how has that required or encouraged you to grow as a leader? Well, one is I had to I had to change my leadership style, which was definitely an act of the Holy Spirit. I went from being very relational leader. I knew all the kids, I knew all the staff, and God transitioned me into a uh, organizational leader, one that's willing to sacrifice, not knowing everything, not knowing every detail. I don't know all the kids today. I haven't met them. Their staff I haven't even met, and it's for the sake that. I've seen these kids' lives change in India, the kids that live in the slums and the kids that have come to our orphanage. And I just want to see so many more kids have that opportunity, regardless of me being able to know every detail going on. And it, it's been a great work of the Lord just allowing me to release in those areas for us to grow. I, I would imagine that that might have been a bit of a difficult transformation for you. How, how did God walk you through that? Slowly, slowly, <laughs> slowly, definitely. Now, it was very humbling. And actually, the staff in India would let me know, and not always in the meeting setting that I would like. Sometimes it was very unfortunate circumstances came up where there was differences and there there was some struggle with staff saying that I was I was just a little bit too much into the details. And then I was micromanaging and that's not what I wanted it. So I had to back off because I knew that if I didn't give these people the opportunity and the space to lead themselves, that this vision of growth wasn't going to happen. So there was a lot of mistakes to be made to learn from and actually mm. listening to people. I was supposed to be their boss and they were telling me what to do, <laughs> but I needed to listen. I had to learn. Yeah. And I think a lot of times that's that's how it is. I think about my relationship with my kids and they probably teach me at least as much about <laughs> being a parent as I teach them about tying shoes and things <laughs> like that. You, you kind of touched on one of the things that I, I suspect has been a sticking point for many missionaries and ministry leaders, especially when the, the ministry is largely formed around their personality and their skill set and their vision. How how did you also go about transferring the vision and the responsibility besides just kind of trying to step back and be an organizational leader? It definitely had a lot to do with me getting close with the Lord to hear his take on that and how to go about it. It was, it was a very slow step process. It wasn't like a magical boom just happened. Just, you know, starting with one center and some staff, just kind of learning how to guide and, and direct them to seeing some things, okay, let's step forward. That doesn't work. Let's just stop. Okay, let's try this. That works. 
and also reaching out to other people that have been there before me. It really just took me to humble myself and take that time to seek out other people that I didn't even know and just cold call other organizations or email or ask people for connections to other people that were in similar positions with me, people from America that worked with people in India or other countries. And how did you go about with your staff? How did you lead them and direct them? Yeah, that, that speaks that speaks to an incredible level of humility. One of the things that I've been wondering, because I've kind of thought about your ministry off and on over the last several years since we first talked, because investing in children, it's a long game. It's a, a generational transformation type thing. And I'm wondering, now that you've been doing this for quite some time, and you've been actually back in the States for a little while as well, what kinds of community transformations have you seen as some of these kids get older? Oh, it's been amazing. I mean, with social media today, I've been so in touch with these children. I'm actually just blown away how many of them contact me and they want to know my opinion on what direction they should go in life. And and I'm just blown away. I'm just, it's just so overwhelming, the joy that you get from from being a part of this. So seeing kids that just come from nothing where they go to bathroom outside as a community and that's the norm for them to walk through raw sewage and there's rats everywhere in their homes and to to be able to play a part of them to get educated and to where they can build a foundation because one thing is that nobody can take their education from them and so that's one of our core building blocks for our children that come to our centers i've seen so many kids they've learned english and i'm so blown away and i'll just ask them where did you learn this from and they'll say from coming to the centers and i'm just like wow uh, just taking a little bit of time to invest in these children and then they go off to college and and now you know we've been around for a little bit since 2010 so some of the kids are in college we still haven't had a kid that complete college yet but it should be uh, probably next year will be our first child that came to one of our programs to complete college. Wow. And to know that now they have a heart, they want to go back to their community and they want to make a difference. I would think if it was me, get me out of here, send me to America <laughs> and Australia, Great Britain. But yeah. no, a lot of these kids, it's a very different take. And, and so I'm just overwhelmed. They just, but we've also taught them, you know, that Matthew 25, 40, Jesus said, would you do to the least of these you have done to me? Hmm. And so we teach them about going back in their communities and to multiply themselves. So it's all, it's all part of the plan. And, and really, it's just the Lord. He just hmm. has taken it to a level far beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. Wow. Isn't, isn't that the truth? You mentioned a little bit about making an investment. And I want to just take a second here to kind of pause because you do offer people the ability to make investments, to sponsor children. But when I was checking out the details, the way you handle sponsorships is a little bit different than some of the other organizations I've seen. So can you share with us what sponsoring a child through Love International is like? Yes, absolutely, Brian. Well, you know what? I, I came from America, born and raised over here in New Jersey, went and I lived in India for seven years. I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life there. I so loved it. I had such a deeper sense of meaning in this life. 
And so many things people said that you needed. I didn't have health insurance, retirement fund, big salary, but I had a purpose and I woke up excited each day to know that I can go out and fight for these kids and help them. So I lived in India. I saw that side that the kids needed tremendous help. I mean, these kids had no bathroom in their house, no running water, no refrigerator. It was a mess. But I also know from the other side of the spectrum here in America that you can go from one opposite, which is a challenge, to the other opposite, which is a challenge. And here we struggle with overconsumption. And they say that 50% of everything we buy in America after six months, we're just going to throw it out. And that there's a balance of when you have enough, which is good, there could be some happiness. But when you go more than that in the overconsumption, that's when you struggle and you fall into depression. And having too much leads to anxiety, which also leads to health problems. And, and us being so big in the social media, we go on to Facebook and we compare and consume and compare and consume. Mm. So when I came back is when the Holy Spirit showed me that child sponsorship was going to be a great blessing to not only the children we were serving, to provide the resources they needed, education, feedings at the center, health care, and, and paying staff to provide with them, to teach them the gospel and all these needs, but also a person in America that's going to benefit and they're going to get to make their story not about overconsumption, but to make their story about giving. And they would know the joy and the deeper meaning of life when they give and they're helping somebody in need. Because Fundraising professionals told me you're wasting your time on child sponsorship. It takes too much time and effort and staff to run it and such a little return. Uh, 91% of all the money that we gave last year from Love Never Fails went directly to the kids in India hmm. because it takes a lot to operate these expenses for the child sponsorship. But not only do I see the children's lives change, but I'm seeing people here in America, their lives are being changed. So that's our take. We're not only focused on the children, but we're focused on the sponsor. We want to see that their lives are changed. And I feel that our programs are better than these other child sponsorships because how often do you get a personal letter from Compassion, which is great. I would give my money and sponsor a kid there. But Whenever When I was a sponsor, I never received a personal letter. And what about World Vision? When I sponsored with them, I never received anything personal. Hmm. And, and so I believe we, we're agile, we're smaller, and we can make it more personal and meaningful to the sponsor. And we've been growing like crazy in the sponsorship department. You, you hit on something that... I remember when I was talking to Gret Glyer, who is the founder of DonorSea, it's a, a giving platform. One of the things that he talked about was the idea of crowdfunding and getting some level of immediate feedback. And he said, you know, sometimes you you might think that you're giving to one child with some other organizations, but really your money's being pooled. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that because you still get that one person that you're praying for and you're communicating with. But what I, I heard from him and what I see in your organization is that there's an acknowledgement that it takes multiple donors to help support a child in order to provide the level of education. So they're really getting support from more people. What was it that led you to set it up that way? Well, after living there, I saw very quickly 
that one of the biggest problems as I walked around these slums, because I was there like eight days a week. Mm. I was always in the slums. I would get home sometimes at one o'clock in the morning before I was married. Being with these kids, it, it was just, it was my joy. And I had to learn everything about them to understand their pain and their challenges and how to help them. And I saw, as I walked around the slums, I didn't see anybody educated living there. Mm. And so our priority at Love Never Fails is not only to educate about the gospel, but also to give them the best solid education. And that's going to be an English education. English is not the, just the language of America. It's the language, it's a business language of the world. So anybody in India that has a little bit of money, they're going to send their kids to an English school. And so our English schools, what we send them, you can't even provide for that with one sponsor. Most of our kids go to English schools where it's over $80 a month. That mm. includes registration fees, books, everything, everything. That's uh, their bus fee. That's their after-school tutoring fee. Uh, but that's going to require two sponsors just for that, then feeding them, and then health care, and then for the center, the cost for the staff. So we take four sponsors per kid, and we divide it up. And you know, I wish I can say that you know sponsors are so involved, and they send them so many letters and gifts, but mm. really, out of all of our sponsors, we might get only 10% of them to write to their kids in a year. Really? And we send out biannual updates and annual updates. Yes, people, they really are very busy. Uh, but I, I feel as though that some of them that connect more with the kids, that they're going to get more out of it. And some people, they might not need that much writing with the kids. And they'll have that sense of value, like, I'm helping, I'm making a difference. Mm. you know. And also, we've had some people, they come and visit their kids. And we've had sponsors visit their kids in India on our really? mission trips that we do. Wow. Yeah, I, I didn't even know that was that was possible. Uh, it seems like some of the other organizations don't want to do it that way, but maybe I've just misunderstood. Uh, wh one of the things you mentioned, and I think even when we talked last, it seemed like you thought you were going to be in India for the rest of your life. You, you even mentioned that a, a couple minutes ago. But Back in, I want to say it was 2016, you left India and came back to the U.S. What what led to that transition? Well, like I said, I really thought my plan was going to be to stay in India the rest of my life. I remember one day I was in the slum and I just like, Lord, I found my destiny. This is what makes me come alive. I said, I will be here the rest of my life. Well, maybe the first half was God, the Holy Spirit, found your destiny. The second half was the flesh speaking. I'll be here the rest of my life. Because not long after that, it was like the Holy Spirit tapped me on the shoulder and said, get ready. You're going back to America because now you're going to multiply. And I always wanted to multiply in India and to multiply myself with these starting many centers and putting myself out of a job and getting people to take over and then trying to raise the support to pay these staff, provide for the needs of the centers. And, and it was very difficult. So when I went back, I felt like the Lord was speaking to me about the parable of the talents where the one guy, he had one, then two and five. And, and it was one characteristic of leadership that's often overlooked. I mean, when we say, what is the characteristic of a great leader? Many people would say they're faithful, they're godly, they're humble, but how many people would say they multiply? Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was something the Holy Spirit was calling me so strongly to do was to multiply. And so 
I came back and really I thought my ministry was going to fall apart. I thought people were going to stop supporting because it was about me and me being in <laughs> India and being a missionary. And God's vision that he put in my heart just wasn't like that. So I had a lot of worry and there was anxiety there because I'm thinking now I'm married. I married an Indian woman. We were living there. My son was born in India. He was going to school there and just to uproot and come back. But the opposite happened. Love Never Fails International took off in such an amazing ways. And I'm just so glad I I was obedient to the Lord because it's been such a blessing to my wife, to my son. And to all the the many more children that we're able to impact today. How how did that first conversation with your wife go when you said, "Hey, I think we need to move"? She was excited. Oh yeah, she was actually very happy, which is a shocker because the first time I brought my wife to America, she told me, "I'm never going back ever again." She hated <laughs> it here. She hated non. She didn't like anything that wasn't Indian food. Mm. And as missionaries, if anybody knows, you're going to a lot of families' homes and you're yeah. doing a lot of breakfast, lunch, dinner meetings. And the weather was cold. It was snowing, and we're from. I'm from New Jersey, so there was like the first year I brought her. It was just blizzard after blizzard. She was pregnant, and it was just it. It was no coming back for her. But slowly. The Lord changed her heart because she felt that this would be the best opportunity for her child and for her. Hmm. And and I said, okay, praise God. God put it in her heart. That's amazing. Yeah. It's it's cool that God took care of that. For a lot of people, I think that first conversation can sometimes be the hardest thing about a transition. What was What was the hardest part about leaving for you? It was going to be spending time with the kids. Oh. Spending time with the kids at the orphanage and and the children in the slums, that was going to be the biggest challenge. And it was when I came back. Hmm. I was definitely feeling homesick from India a lot. I wasn't able to to see those kids as much. And that was a big challenge for me. And it was more administration work that I had to fulfill. Oh. How did did God fill that void? Well… There was definitely some emptiness there, hmm. uh, but getting to come back to India uh, several times each year has definitely helped, and it's just built up such like a, a fire in me. When I right before I get back, I just feel so passionate about this work. When it's been a couple months, I haven't been there. It's like, yeah, it, it's just it's like a build up, and and I want to. You know, when you, when you live there and it's day in and it's day out and you've lived there month after month after month before you've had a visit in, to America, mm. you can get burned out. Mm-hmm. And when I came back, you know, it was just like such a release. And, and I just had my fire back from day one. I just had that zeal that I wanted to go and, and win this nation of India for Jesus. Like Psalm 86, nine says, for I have made the nations to bring glory to my name and things like that just started coming back to my foundational roots. And it just was about that relationship with Jesus and, you know, just the vision that he he wanted to put in my heart for for these children, for this nation. How often do you get to go back now? Uh, about every three, four months. Oh, wow. And when you're in the U.S., just kind of 
take us, I don't really have a picture of how life would be for someone who's in the U.S., but the ministry that they're operating is largely overseas. Can you, can you share a little bit about a day in the life? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, we have an office. It's located in Metuchen, New Jersey. And, you know, I do everything from community relations, organizational leadership, child sponsorship, fundraising, administration, working with graphic designers, video editors, the um, bookkeeper, CPA, everything that you would do for a business, we do the same thing. The digital marketing. Mm -hmm. So we've explored a lot of different things, Google ads, grant writing for nonprofits, partnering with different organizations like Pizza Hut, Domino's, Chick-fil-A, Hobby Lobby. And I feel like we're just scratching the surface. We've had a little bit of success being here. We actually did our first annual gala last year with most organizations. They do that regularly. But being that I lived in India the first seven years of this ministry, we didn't have the core until I came back and set up. And then then we finally did it, and it was a huge success for the ministry. We didn't even focus on child sponsorship. We focused on getting people to come, get the word out, and for just a larger amount that evening, and for monthly supporters, which was a great blessing. So it's a Monday through Friday. And mm. sometimes, you know, just last week, it was a rare Monday through Sunday because Saturday we were sponsors at a concert for Elevation Worship, Mac Brock, mm. who was in New Jersey. And then Sunday, I went to a church and I spoke about the organization and we got several children sponsored. So it just, it never stops. You have to stop it. You have to stop it because it will never stop. It's not a nine to five and eight and skate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'd imagine that. It, it sounds like in some ways you've kind of cracked the nut of how to to bridge the gap between a faith-based ministry and corporate sponsorship. I would imagine there are some people who might not even know that's a possibility. How how did you go about about beginning to build those relationships and connecting with the right people so that you could have those opportunities? Yeah, well, I think a lot of people, including myself, think that you have to be like Teach for America. When they started out, they were getting $65 million grants. And it's not that start very small, very small. If you go to our website and you see some of the people that gave to Love Never Fails International, like I said, Domino's, KFC, Starbucks, something small, like a very small. But we, I just knew that this was going to be something big, this organization. And there was just a lot of children that we were going to help. So we got ECFA credited. We were externally audited. I knew that was going to be a very important part mm -hmm. of our foundation Recently, we just got accredited for the Children Alliance for Orphans and just kind of building our reputation up. We want to be known that we are a ministry of excellence, financial transparency, and a ministry that wants to impact lots of children. And so take little steps trying to see how these companies can help you out. Don't just, you know, try to get a home run, just something small and you learn. You learn like, okay, uh, uh, that's that's not achievable or okay, we can do that. And, and I don't think a lot of these organizations look that you're Christian. They're looking at your finances. They want to see what things are measurable, how you're going to calculate success. 
And, and it's actually been good for us because it's really made us think more and, and also more strategically how we're going to impact these children and sustain it. Hmm. Yeah. I, I appreciate you sharing that. I com- coming from a background in church, I'm not in vocational ministry like that, but it does seem like sometimes if something is faith-based, we just make the assumption that it must be good enough and that we kind of disparage the idea that we would pursue some kind of outside accreditation. And I appreciate that you've taken that step. And clearly it's been something that's important for you within the broader community. So that that's a really, really powerful thing. As you think about how God's moved through that, can you, can you think of any ways that that's opened up additional doors for you? So child sponsorship, ultimately, you're going to need four sponsors to provide with the English education. And see, the difference with World Vision and Compassion from us is that we provide English education. They don't. I've, I've also worked with World Vision. I've worked with Compassion International. I've worked with Gospel for Asia. And they're, they're quite big. So when I was up and coming, those were organizations. They're very small when you live in India. Mm-hmm. They're your local places. So I would go and, and talk with their people and they would ask me to speak to their children. And, and I, there were some things I saw that I just felt like could be improved. And one was the education. So with our child sponsorship, having to get four sponsors, because we really want to lift this child up and make sure that they have the best educational foundation. And, and which comes at a premium, you know, half of our sponsorship costs just goes to that. Hmm. And so these corporations can help in other ways. They'll help with feeding. That's calculatable. Okay, 30 cents to feed a child a solid meal. Doesn't sound like much, but when you're adding hundreds of children, now we're just in the hundreds and you're getting up into the thousands of dollars a month, mm-hmm. these organizations can help that small part. They might not fund the whole thing, but if they give a small portion, okay, that can help out. And so that, that's been a great blessing, you know, because we don't have, we still have a lot of children that need sponsors. And uh, in the meantime, God is providing some of these ways where there has been funding coming in. We got mosquito nets, uh, okay, water filters. And so things like that by other sources other than just child sponsorship, it really helps and makes a difference until yeah. we get the full, all the kids sponsored and four sponsors each. Oh, that that's good. And I appreciate you taking that really poorly worded question that I had and turning it into something, because I, I do want for this to highlight what God's done and the opportunities he's opened and how he's able to accomplish some incredible things through these relationships We've talked a little bit about where you've been and where God's taken you over the last couple of years. Now I'm wondering, as you look forward for, say, the next two to five years, where do you see God taking the ministry? What do you see or expect to see happening? What I see now is that our core is really going to grow, and that is our staff here in America, that we really want to build this foundation because now I see scaling. And I've studied different companies through books that have scaled successfully, and it takes more and more staff. Mm-hmm. And so right now we're looking for an, an office administrator to help us to go to the next level. And after that, I see that we would have to hire another person because with the child sponsorship, it requires so much work, so much time. But 
I see that people, they definitely want this deeper sense of meaning in life. So they mm -hmm. want a sponsor and, and they want the kids to have the best education and, and they're willing to, to do a co-share. Co so what I see is us growing the core. We have another gala plan. So last year was our first gala. We had almost 200 people come. And a lot of people were really surprised. And they flat out told me, like, how did you get 200 people to come? And it was an upscale event, $70 a ticket. And I just shared. I was like, well, this is what we did. So this year, we're actually looking to double it and go up to 400. And we're trying to get a famous speaker to come in. You know, just to give a little bit more enticement for people to come and, you know, to have a little different touch. And also I have some friends, they bring in famous speakers mm -hmm. and, you know, they're up in the 600, 800 range for their gala. And so yeah, just trying to learn from friends uh, that I'm doing ministry with. So I really want to build the core of this ministry because without that, we're not going to be able to help more children if we don't have the staff in place and a model and a plan and a strategy in place, it's going to be hard to do things systematically and truly give our sponsors the best experience. Oh, that That's good. And I appreciate your focus on both the children and the sponsors. I think that's, that's critically important. And I think it shows through in some of the things that you've already talked about, how you've been investing in video. And I looked at your website, you're clearly investing there. That, that shows that level of concern there. I'm wondering if you were sitting down for, with somebody for coffee and they were talking about transition and growing, what would you share with them as sort of a mindset that's really helped you? Well, I would definitely say don't do it alone. Don't <laughs> do it alone. Have mentors. I've been so blessed the last two years. They, they had a, a group called the New Jersey Christian Nonprofit Association. And it's a group of CEOs of Christian ministries. They meet together. I'm, I'm the small guy in the pond. Hmm. These guys, they got so many full-time staff and, and their budget's just so big. But I learn from them. And each month we meet and you can ask questions. And, you know, I've made personal friendships with them outside of that, calling them, emailing, texting. They've attended our events. We've attended theirs and just learn so much because prior to that, I didn't have those meetings and, and other CEOs that were so willing to collaborate and help. It's made the process, the journey so much more enjoyable. And so really, I would just say, don't do it alone. I mean, I've learned about the book Story Brand. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. Donald Miller. By Donald Miller. Yeah. Oh, that phenomenal. I mean, that was like right after we, we started the child sponsorship and you know read through the book and utilized what he was saying, you know, if you confuse, you lose, mm -hmm. and went to a church I've been going to each year for like the last seven years and never had a response anywhere near like that. Mm. I mean, it was crazy. We were blown away, and it just continued to take off as we've learned how to speak about this work, what we're doing. And then another thing is they, they had a book on the Emotionally Healthy Leader and it was like pedal to the metal time for me. Everything was just flowing and things were just happening just at faster than the speed of life. But going through that book study with this group, really, really, I, I never even heard of the book by um, Peter Cesaro, I think his name is, The Emotionally Healthy Leader. And so, wow, 
just revolutionized my paradigm, my thinking, and it, it just gave me what I needed to just stay healthy in the focus. Like it's about your relationship with Jesus. If you do ministry a morning, noon, and night and never take a break, then you'll break. Yeah, man, that that's good. And great resources that you've shared with us. We'll, we'll make sure to have those linked up in the show notes. One last question before we tie a bow on this. How can we best pray for you? Pray that I would, I would get the staff around me at our office here in America because I don't feel like I'm best suited to do a lot of these things. And I just feel as though I'm running on fumes in order to, you know, come up with the creative ideas that we need and, and in some of the areas that we need to improve on. But I feel as though that there's somebody that this is a cakewalk for them. Like this mm. is, this is their ideal job that they want, like their dream job to come into the office and do these things. I'm looking more to spend more time with, with our, our donors and people and go out and meet with them and, and share the vision and share the passion and uh, also focus a little bit more with our staff in India for strategic training and things like that that always have to be in place. So just please pray that we get the right staff in. Uh, I believe that this is definitely a season of, of growing the core of our office over here, that God has big plans for India. And I really believe that, that love never fails is going to be an answer to a lot of people's prayers. As compassion pulled out three years ago, hmm. 145,000 kids were dropped from sponsorship. World Vision, they don't share the gospel at all over there. We do have people on our staff that used to work for them. I mean, you can just call up World Vision. They'll tell you they don't share the gospel in India. It's a persecuted country, but we do. And the door is open for us. And we just want to be obedient to the Lord. But I need people around me that get the why, why we do it, that have the vision. They're godly, they're humble, and you know they want to go and save a lot of children in India. So for those of you listening, I'd like to, like I always do, just encourage you to take a minute, pause the recording, and pray for Jonathan and for Love Never Fails International. Pray that God would send the right people. And... If, if you're connecting with what he's sharing and you think you might be one of those people, please visit their website. We'll have the link in the show notes and take the time to reach out and just make that connection. Or if you know somebody who might be that right person, help make that connection because we don't know what God might accomplish with what we do right here. Jonathan, I want to say one more time, just a huge thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to come back on the show and share what God's done and share what he's taught you over the last couple of years. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. Pleasure being here. I mentioned that I have a story of connection. I want to go ahead and share that with you. This came in from David Joannis, who's been a guest on the show a couple of times. He's given me permission to share this with you, and I want to share it with you because I, I want to say thank you because of your involvement in this as well. I'm going to go ahead and just read this word for word exactly what came in from Facebook. It all happened when I was first on Engaging Missions. A woman named Kanita Benson was listening and ended up following me and connecting with Within Reach Global. She bought my book and was challenged, so she bought about 20 books for everyone on the missions board, and she's now coming on a trip in two weeks, as of the time this was written. This is an exploratory trip and she plans to bring more people in the future. All of this happened because of your connection. I just wanted to tell you thank you so much. I want to say thank you to you 
because it's not just me. We're in this together. And I want to say thank you if you've supported this show financially or if you've helped spread the word or if you've provided prayer or anything like that. Also, thank you to Mega Voice, our sponsor, for their involvement in this kind of thing because we're all in this together. We all have a part to play. And so we all get to experience this as well. So thank you to you for helping make this connection possible. Show notes for this week's episode are available at engagingmissions.com slash love never fails. That's where you're going to find links and quotes and resources to help you engage. Make sure that you come back next time. We're going to be hearing from Fouad Masri, who's the founder of Crescent Project. We're going to be talking about engaging Muslims and some of his history, some of the things he's seen God do. If you don't want to miss that, you'll want to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Engagingmissions.com slash subscribe is the place to do that. And please help me understand how I can improve the show and serve you better. If you have feedback for me, send that to feedback at engagingmissions.com. And one more time, really looking forward to connecting with you in just a couple of weeks.